we tell the team that every day. We just say we, we'll cook as well as we can and the floor will serve as well as they can. And it's about giving the guests the best experience that they could possibly have, especially in the setting that we're in and uh, cooking with the wines and, and, and being here to to showcase Bass Felix as a brand and as a, as a winery. That's our job. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. As regional dining has evolved, so too has the proliferation of wonderful dining experiences in wineries. Underpinned by local produce, the story of wine made on site, and ability to capture a sense of place, these restaurants are helping shape what it means to dine out in regional Australia. Brendan Pratt is the head chef of Vas Felix in Margaret River, Western Australia. Brendan, how are you? Hey, Huck. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What's it like uh, running a regional restaurant compared to um, one in the city? Is, is it quite quite a different task as a, as a head chef? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I just feel like we have um, – we're very lucky to be sort of close to a lot of our produce Um and, ha- and feel like quite a connection and, and a lot of the time we might be getting delivered something by the actual farmer themselves, um, mm. which would pretty, you know, it's obviously an amazing thing and probably what most chefs would, would love to, to have and, and we sort of just get it out of without a choice. So um, pretty lucky in that way and, and I guess just in terms of other things, it's probably harder in some ways with produce too because you, you don't have access to it on a daily basis. Margaret River is uh, renowned for some amazing wines. It's beautiful uh, country, and it also has amazing food events as well. But tell us a little bit about the region and and the sort of produce you use from it. Oh, I mean, as a region, it's uh, we are super lucky to be down here. And I think we had a we just had a, a morning tea for Virginia Wilco, who is our um, chief winemaker, and she's been working here now for 15 years. Uh, and she just summed it up just saying we are all very lucky to be in Margaret River. And I think, you know, <clears throat> even even without talking about all of this, uh, things that the world are going through at the moment and how lucky mm. we are in this region, um, just in terms of the produce we have, the amazing wineries, the, the climate that we have varies so dramatically, um, super salty, um, and that sort of just influences everything, I think. So, yeah, super lucky to live in a, in a region like this, and it's beautiful every day I leave my house. I've got a 15-minute drive through amazing country to work, so, yeah, I feel lucky every day. It's uh, spring at the moment. Is there, is there one or two produ- local producers that you could tell us about that you're using at the moment? Uh, yeah, Gemma McCabe, um, a local little grower down the road, probably 10, 10 or 12 k's away, she is a farmer that practices um, organically and biodynamically and she grows her produce at a place called Burnside Organic, which has some little cottages to stay on and things. And mm. we bought bits and pieces from her and she's she's amazing. Um, there's some awesome ducks uh, and chicken from Wajin, Wajin Free Range uh, Duck, which is just up the road, probably, I mean, sort of 50-odd k's up the road, but... Uh, again, just super pasture-raised and um, some amazing lamb from down in Albany, which is all uh, the same again, all um, regeneratively farmed and just sort of, yeah, we try to sort of focus on people that are looking into the future, I think, which, yeah, very lucky to have the ability to do that. 
take us into the kitchen and your approach with your with your cookery, given you're in a regional uh, location. Is there a focus on the local clientele as much as there is on on tourism? How do you approach what you offer? Yeah, I think we've been um, here. We've been pretty stable for, um, for it's a thirty year old restaurant, um, and the winery being over fifty years old itself, it's pretty established in its hospitality offering and sort of what they strive for. Um, mm. And it's been nice to have a focus. Um, when I started here four years ago, I was sort of um, told very sternly that what we are focusing on is the wine and the region. The, re- the reason the restaurant is here is to, um, you know, make those wines look as good as possible. And at the beginning it was difficult to um, – I felt like it was a bit of a box uh, that I couldn't get out of. Um, but now it's it's such a, a – a defining way and it defines the way we cook it's it keeps us inside a box we can't get too eccentric but we find ways to sort of get out of that box um keeps us balanced keeps us focused um yeah and i guess our cooking is just simple we just try and be as simple as possible keep the produce sort of doing what it does but manipulating it to to look as good as it can and show the wines as well as it can I want to explore a little what you do at Vas Felix in a little while, but take us back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did food play in your family? Oh, uh, I've been very lucky for this, and I don't think I realised it until about five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> my parents have always um, loved food. Uh, my my dad and uh, always made had sourdough mother under the stairs. In I grew up in North Fremantle. Wow. He had yeah, a mother under the stairs and always made our bread. And I didn't see a microwave until I started my apprenticeship when I was 17. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my mother always has made her own pastry for everything that she's always baked at home and dad's always cooked. And it was my dad's way of, um, of relaxing. So it's always been an important thing and an important part. And I don't think I ever thought I'd turn that into a career. Um, and my dad always just said, whatever you'd love to do, try not to do that as a career because you won't love it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But um, that didn't stop me. And and they, you know, I was very lucky when they supported me as much as they did to to do what I wanted to do. And it's, yeah, it's paid off. Well, tell us about sort of your first early moments in the industry. Do you remember your first day in a commercial kitchen? Yeah. 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 I don't think I could ever forget that. (laughs) (laughs) I I peeled 15 kilos of Jerusalem artichokes with a spoon. (laughs) So that was um that was it, and then I knew when, and then I sort of moved on to fifteen kilos of prawns, and I think that was my whole eight hours, and I and I went home, and my mum asked me, oh, well, what are you going to do now? And I said, oh, I'll go back tomorrow and do it again. <laughs> and I think I knew then that that was <clears throat> didn't matter what I was doing if I was holding something that I thought was interesting and and learning, then I would just keep doing it, and I've loved it ever since. Tell us about uh, some of the venues you've worked at and the the real sort of integral moments that have helped shape uh, the chef that you've become. Yeah, I think um, I worked for Chris Taylor at Fraser's um, and did my apprenticeship there and his focus on young people uh, and teamwork uh, and building people and training people um, and also produce and his love for, for West Australia and Australian things back in the day, I think when there wasn't as much focus on local produce um, was a really sort of defining moment. Um, and then I moved to London in my – I might have been just 20, I think, when I left the country. Wow. 
and um, was lucky enough to have a spot at the Fat Duck um, and the Ritz in London and then moved on to the Ledbury. And I think I was just very lucky to fall into the right hands at the right time uh, with people that have, you know, I seriously admired and still do to this day and just all the chefs in those kitchens. Um, I think it was nice actually to sort of leave leave Perth and, and um, thinking that maybe you were okay at what you did and all of a sudden realise that you're right back at the bottom of the ladder again. <laughs> and. Um, yeah, just see that there's just so many people out there that are so good at what they do, and and I was just inspired by that to to work harder and 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 faster every day. Heston Blumenthal's ability to sort of challenge the realms of gastronomy really put the fat duck on the map and got the world's attention. Do you have any stories from your time there? Um, I think that yeah, the thing that really sort of hones me back is is the that that need and desire for perfection and, and not just perfection in, in produce or, or whatever, but the preparation was so detailed and minute and they had this working in the prep kitchen out the back, sort of sort of uh, 15 or 16 or 20 chefs working out in a different um, kitchen across the road that, that did a lot of the mise en place in the morning while the other guys were setting up and getting ready in the service kitchen was they had a big whiteboard and on this whiteboard was everything that was written down in, in sort of the, that needed to be achieved for the day in the morning and then they'd rewrite it for the afternoon. And it was sort of down to the, the gram, you know, like a one millimetre by one millimetre diced wow. at 42 grams, please. And then it, that would be – you would take it to get checked and it would come back again. And it was it was just sort of relying on everyone to make sure that they understood exactly what perfection meant. It wasn't – it wasn't one's two millimetres by one millimetre and that's okay. No, it's not okay. Everything has to be absolutely perfect. And it was just it was just that attention to detail from, from the, the ground up, what you wore, uh, everyone, <clears throat> how you sh- if you shaved in the morning, if, you, if your hair was neat. It was everything from, <clears throat> from the bottom. And I think that's just obviously shows through to the end about how, how they sort of execute everything. You mentioned your time at the Ledbury as well, and Brett Graham went all the way from Newcastle in New South Wales to one of the best restaurants in the world. Yeah. T- take us into that kitchen. How different was that to kitchens you'd been in? Very different. Um, it, I think these, these other places obviously very well-oiled machines that had been going for quite a while um, at that high level. And I think I started at the Ledbury just after they'd received two Michelin stars. Mm. Um, and it was crazy. Walked into the kitchen and did a trial, and I left. And I went, "There's, a, there's one English guy in there, and everyone else was Aussie," <laughs> <laughs> which was the opposite of what I was used to um, in in London. And it was just, it was an amazing place to work at the time, um, and just it's probably the hardest I've ever worked in my life. <laughs> uh, what was expected on a daily basis was just incredible because of his ability um, and his desire to to be better every single day Um, and that sort of forged everyone else to want to be better. But I remember watching him, uh, we got some fresh scallops in, amazing scallops came in and it was about two minutes before service and he said, right, we're shucking these and I was like, oh, no, I'm already in the the weeds. I I can't do this. And I think there was six of us shucking two boxes of scallops and he did one and he beat us all. Wow. And I was just like overwhelmed. It was just sort of this moment of um, realizing just how amazing he is 
um, every day. And he's there when you left at night at whatever time that was, three in the morning. And uh, he's, you know, he's like, don't worry, mate, I'll finish this job for you. And you leave. And then, you know, at five o'clock in the morning, you come back and he's still there. And he's still there at night when you leave. It's just that pure dedication um, and love for what he does. What sort of impact did these restaurants and, and those mentors have on the way you operate as a head chef now? Yeah, I, I think um, just the, just the, the work ethic um, leading from the leading from the front and, and being there first and leaving last um, and just making sure that the guys that come into the kitchen feel needed, uh, feel like they have a sense of place, mm. uh, feel like they're contributing to what they do and, and giving them ownership of, of why they come to work every day and the dishes. Um, and we, we all create together. Uh, the whole menu is a big team-based thing. We have a big um, uh, white tiled wall that's behind one of the sinks and it's just got – it's just covered in whiteboard marker of ideas and um, what's next and what's to test and what's to play with and it's just up to anyone to bring an idea and try it and it might not make the menu and it might not make anything but it might also bring ideas for future time and it might also shine on the menu and, and be something that we we um, we love every day. Tell us about your time returning – back to Australia, um, what, what was it like after that whirlwind experience in the UK, um, re-immersing yourself in the culinary landscape here? Um, I think it was uh, tough at the beginning because I kind of had this, um, I felt the need to be quite hard on people, I think. Mm. I don't know why, whether it's because I'd just been drilled for the last five years. <laughs> Um, or whether, I don't know, it was a sense of ownership or a sense of um, entitlement. I wasn't really sure, um, but I was pretty glad. Yeah, I got my first head chef role. I think I was 26 um, when I came back and I needed – it took me about a year to settle into it and it wasn't quite right. And my best mate who and a friend, another good friend of mine, were working with us at the time. And they sat, they both sat me down after about a year and just said, mate, you're really good, but no one likes you <laughs> and no one wants to work here. And it was this really sort of eye-opening, awakening moment for me of I don't need to be nasty. I don't need to be tough. It's more about mentoring and uh, making people feel comfortable. Uh, and since I've sort of learned that from those guys, and I'm seriously grateful that people had the balls to tell me that rather than just leave, um, mm. I think, yeah, I was very lucky. And uh, since then, it's just changed the way I go about everything and, and to change the, the reason I come to work. Was it hard to make those changes from what you had learnt and what you thought was the path to success? Um, was, it, was it hard to change for you? Yeah, uh, no. Um, as soon as I think I, I naturally have, uh, a desire to please people, um, in any part of my personality, I think. And I'd probably just never really, um, seen that as a professional, um, quality. I'd sort of seen that as a weakness because I'd always sort of, it had made me work wow. hard longer for people that I'm, I maybe didn't need to do. So I'd always seen it as a weakness until someone sort of realized that you can make that actually, part of your if that's actually one of your your number one features people are going to want to work with you and going to want to work alongside you and and so it just took someone sort of waking me up to and when I actually understood that yeah straight away I think that was a change for me and it's been a focus ever since 
What sort of impact did that change have on your approach to to cooking and and getting the best out of your team? Yeah, it's been dramatically, a massively dramatic change. uh, I don't think I would have ever been able to get the the job down at Vast Felix. They're very um, people orientated. Uh, It's really heavily culture based here, and that's just one of the special things about this place. Um, Like I said before, Virginia, the chief winemaker, has been here 15 years, and I think she's only one of your sort of 10 or 10 or so people that have been here that long out of a, a small uh, family owned business. I think that's pretty incredible. Um, and I'm one of the sort of young, um, sort of smallest serving in terms of time wise. And I've been here for four and a half years. And so it's kind of, it shows the culture that they build here is, is pretty amazing. And I think that's just flowed from, from that realization I had that it needs to, and, and going to work every day, here is special we all get along really well the atmosphere in the kitchen is one of sort of happiness and joy and a bit of and obviously hard work but that's much easier to work harder and a bit longer when everyone's sort of happy we've got some good tunes playing and just just try and keep a good atmosphere tell us about your time at this restaurant when you first started what what was your cooking like and your approach and and how much has it changed in that four and a half years yeah it's changed a lot um I think when I started, the restaurant had an amazing uh, reputation and Aaron Carr, who who mm. had left, he'd been here for 21 years, I think it was in the end, um, and he moved on to open his own place in Dunsborough called Yarry, um, which is doing great things. And, and so I sort of felt a big weight to continue doing what he was doing um, and the, the, the full team was here as well and so I, I sort of felt this need to please them and to kind of continue what they were doing. And it did take, I probably took me a year really to find any sort of style. Mm. Uh, and it was very, and I kind of kept their style and, and kept cooking that sort of food that they were cooking. And, and I just couldn't find a gear until I think one day we didn't have a choice. And I, we had these, these chickens that we'd been aging and I just needed to cook them. And I just cooked it just half a chicken and I just barbecued it and cooked it until the right temperature and we served it and this feedback came back and people were loving it. And I was just going, you know what? I think I need to just simplify everything we're doing, strip, strip it right back. And let's just start from the beginning. Wow. And it was, it was a good, it was a nice realization and it was a nice um, thing. And, and the staff that we had here at the time were all really young and we just got a new crew and we're kind of finding our feet a bit. And it was a really nice, just, just a restart, a bit of a refresh for the restaurant after having, someone so successful and and stuff for so long i think we we needed to find our own feet and forge our own path and not sort of rely on what they'd done in the past but also honor um what they'd built these changes that you made for yourself and then also with your cooking and stripping things back has resulted in um just recently winning regional chef of the year uh vast felix won restaurant of the year how does it feel to be honored in that way and and have the team and everything that you all do celebrated like that oh it's it's uh, yeah, I struggle for words. Um, it's, not, it's not something you strive for, as I'm sure you know. You know, you don't strive to get accolades or you don't strive to get good reviews because um, I just believe there's something that come in hand with with doing what you believe and and doing that every day. And it's nice because we just we tell the team that every day. We just say, 
we, we'll cook as well as we can and the floor will serve as well as they can. And it's about giving the guests the best experience that they could possibly have, especially in the setting that we're in and uh, cooking with the wines and, and, and being here to to showcase Fast Felix as a brand and as a, as a winery. That's our job first and foremost. So I think to be recognised by this West Australian Good Food Guide that has – a good amount of credibility behind it now and it's really well received in the industry and um, believed in by a lot of my peers, which is really nice. Um, mm. It's Yeah, it's a super amazing feeling and, and to do it and receive those awards, just just doing something that you believe in for no one else's need but yourself and the businesses is, I think, super special. You've um, learned the art of restraint and really peeled things back um, gives a sense of is there a dish or two on the menu at the moment that you can tell us about that kind of exemplifies where you are as a as a chef? Um, yeah, there's we have a, a toothfish dish at the moment, which um, toothfish obviously being this amazing fish that is super fatty, deep sea, um, just amazing, opaque, white, mm. uh, flaky, and we actually just. Um, we, we cook that up to – we just warm it really slowly in a, in a warm oven um, at 58 degrees until it reaches sort of a 40-odd, 40, 40 44, 46 degrees temperature inside. So it's just cooked um, and we wrap it in a, a um, Korean seaweed that is it's laver, which is just dried, uh, sun-dried with some sesame oil and salt. So it's just delicious. Like you just want to smash it with a couple of beers. Um, but then we roll that. And just serve it simply with a Bernays sauce that we season with um, seaweed and a soy sauce that we make from um, fermented tuna loin. Wow. Uh, and it's like a Bernays sauce, but it's just packed full of punch of umami. Um, and then just a few little greens of whatever's good at the moment being spring. We've, we're using some Cavallonero, um, some broad bean leaves from the, within the vines um, and some spring onions. And we just barbecue those over the coals with a little light dressing of sesame oil and the same soy sauce. And so they get this nice little smoky tort. Um, they kind of steam themselves in their own juices in the basket. And then we just put that on the side. So it's kind of just really three ingredients. But, yeah, it's it's one of the things that people come up to the pass a lot and just, that, yeah, they don't have too many words to describe it. They just they just say thanks and, and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Being in a winery with with some incredible wines, does that affect the way that you create dishes? And is there an obligation to be matching with wines from Vas Felix? Definitely, yeah, yeah. Everything, every dish that we come up with, um, before we think about it, we think before we sort of consider the dish too much. It, it's about what wine it will go with. Um, and I work really closely with um, Virginia and um, Mick, the, the two winemakers. One Mick is our sparkling winemaker down in. Um, at Ide Fix and, and Virginia up here at Vasfield. And also Evan Gill, who's our SOM. Um, we work really closely and every time we make a dish, it, it has to have an exact match for for one of the wines that will be on the menu or the tasting menu. Um, and that I think at the beginning I was saying that it's it felt like such a conform and it was hard to get out of and it was hard to kind of – because it sort of – I felt like I was restricted. But mm. now – like it's given us such um, such focus, um, gives you a really good sense of balance of the dish because the wines are so balanced and so well made that if your dish isn't balanced, then you, then you look a bit silly. <laughs> so um, yeah, sort of coming up with with ways to balance that with different ingredients and seasonings and adding layers and layers of flavors so that you're sort of creating this 
this balanced dish, not sort of anything overpowering each other, is um, yeah, very lucky now to to I think to have that realization and and work closely with those guys. And they're, obviously, their palates are extremely defined. Um, and so, yeah, getting to have those guys to taste that food with you before it hits the menu, I think, gives you a self a sort of sense of confidence when you put something on the menu that it's going to be good. Regional uh, restaurants and dining has evolved so beautifully over the last 10 or 20 years, and Vas Felix has been a part of that. Where do you see uh, regional dining in Australia at the moment, and what's your thoughts on um, where it's headed? Um, yeah, I think we're pretty lucky, and I think we saw recently in this WA Good Food Guide anyway, in, in the top 10, I think there was four four regional restaurants Um mm-hmm. And that's pretty impressive. But I also think it's a sense of, um, you know, we're lucky. We get to normally cook for people that are on holiday or um, even locals that are on days off um, and relaxing because we're predominantly lunch-based, I guess, down here, especially in the wineries. Um, We're lunch-based service. And as a chef, obviously, that's amazing because I get to come to work, cook one service and then go home (laughs) (laughs) and see my children and my wife and um, who I'm very lucky to have support me in what we do. But we yeah i think we're just super lucky in that in that respect but also yeah these guys you know um some customers come in and they've got time to have a 3 hour lunch um and they can sit back and relax and are generally probably more open to trying something new and trying a new experience um rather than maybe popping out for a, a late dinner or a um a rushed work lunch or whatever it may, may be that's in the cbd i was yeah, so I was actually having this chat with Joel from um, Lulu's in, in Subiaco mm. today and he was just saying how it's just completely different. You know, it's a different ball game altogether. The last uh, year and a half has been incredibly challenging for everyone on the planet and uh, large parts of Australia are just coming out of a really long lockdown. But WA has been sort of um, boarded off from the rest of Australia. What's it been like for you in the industry and just to, just as a person living in WA during this time? Um, I think a little bit of a battle internally um, of a sense of um, – being very lucky to be able to do what we do every day. And we, we closed for three months, I think it was, date to date in, back in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again for two weeks, I think it was in January. Um, but other than that, we've been so lucky to not have to close or be in any lockdowns or anything like that. So I think a battle of happiness and pride to be involved in, in that, but also uh, uh, extreme guilt because I just have a lot of my friends that are opening places and working and just trying to do what they love every day and can't. Uh, so yeah, sort of a mix of both, I think has been the, the, <laughs> the, the feeling over the last year and a half. Uh, WA is so reliant on tourism and a, a venue like yours attracts a lot of tourists as well. Has, has that a, had an impact on um, trade or what you do? Uh, yeah, has I think we we used to rely heavily on the Singapore market, the Chinese market, um, and that was sort of a big part of our business. But I also think it's been it's it's interesting what's happened, you know. In, and we've had to due to being regional, obviously we have a lot of staffing issues too, because especially mm-hmm. with uh, the lack of backpackers and, and the like and travellers, which normally sort of makes up even just it's been an like a 
a hectic time for, you know, when the vintage rolled around this year and everyone had to sort of jump out and pick up a pair of secateurs and pick grapes. Otherwise, the grapes weren't going to get off the vines um, and there'd be no wine. Um, and because there was just a serious short of la- shortage of labour. So we've seen a lot of that, I think, um, come mm. through the, the restaurant as well, you know, in terms of um, people just willing to jump in and do different jobs. So, yeah, it's been it's been a big challenge regionally, but, yeah, I sort of forgot where I was going, <laughs> going with that. Well, uh, a, lot, a lot of Australia is opening up again and vaccination rates are, are really high. Uh, mm. What's your feeling about everything? Is there a sense of um, everything will open up and, and there'll be a boom or get back to normal? What are you feeling about the landscape in the next year or two? Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be some challenges, especially with these um, sort of forced vaccination bits and pieces that are happening now. And obviously there'll be a bit of retaliation to that. We might see a little bit of um, my sort of hunch is that there's going to be a bit of trouble in terms of um, import and export and, uh, and and maybe some strikes and bits and pieces with trying to get things that we sort of normally don't even have to think about. Um, but, yeah, I feel like there's definitely a, a big a big bulge on the way. I think we're going to be uh, pushing and, and just getting busier and busier. And I just hope that, yeah, I really hope that this this is the start of slowly getting back to to a bit of normality. You uh, went against your parents' advice and went for a career doing something that you love. But t- tell us about that. What is it that you love about what you do? I think probably the main thing is the camaraderie. Um, working with people in the same situation who who love what they do, who have a serious, you know, it's, it's so refreshing and I just get inspired every day by coming to work and working with people that are pushing to better themselves. Um, and, it's, you know, like, you know, it's an industry that if you just sit on your laurels, you don't get anywhere. Um, you, you really need to sort of push yourself every day as much as someone else is going to push you. It, it's all up to yourself to, to read and to learn and to, constantly see what's going on adapt um and yeah i just feel the friendships i've made i think probably 95 percent of my friendships now are all hospitality based mm. <laughs> um, and and probably because i drink too much to be friends with other people <laughs> um not that that's a really nice thing to say but um my yeah my parents obviously have been amazingly supportive and have always given me uh, everything that I've needed and and all the support I've needed to do this job. I think my dad was just shocked because he loves cooking so much that I could <laughs> do this and love it at the same time. <laughs> well, uh, Brendan, it's been amazing to catch up with you and, and congratulations on the incredible accolades that you've been receiving. Um, good luck in the future. We've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a part of your story. Keep in touch. We'll catch up again soon. Great. Thank you. Cheers again. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.